hopefully we all know about the importance of defining customer profiles and understanding the buying committees uh, that we are trying to influence and engage about our products and solutions. Uh, but according to today's guest, we are still doing it wrong all too often. In this episode, we're going to discuss what it takes to shift from an inside-out thinking style to an outside-in mindset and talk about the practical steps uh, to really operationalize this type of thinking much more effectively into a unified go-to-market strategy. So thank you again for joining us for another episode of Go-To-Market Innovators. Today, we are joined by John Ellett. He is an advisor to CEOs and to CMOs on marketing, strategy, organizational design, amongst many other things. Uh, first and foremost, though, congratulations, John, on recently retiring from your full-time post as the senior partner at Profit, where he was helping some of the country's leading marketing organizations and change agents to accelerate their growth. Uh, prior to his uh, stint leading the Profit organization, uh, he had been a marketer himself. He had been leading rapid growth at organizations like Dell and IBM, uh, but also a very accomplished writer and thought leader, uh, including the work, the CMO manifesto that he published a while back and his ongoing contributions to the Forbes CMO network. Welcome, John. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's it's good to uh, be able to share some insights 45 years of stuff uh, that uh, has accumulated. Uh, now that I'm retiring, I get to pontificate on all these things that uh, uh, I've been thinking about for a while. So. Uh, now, we are excited to have the conversation and share all the knowledge that you've accumulated from across your own personal experiences, but also the litany of amazing organizations that you've gotten to work with as well. Um, we have known each other a long time. I think it, it goes back to... Uh, the, the good old days of sitting at the Masters and watching some amazing golf, uh, but then also, you know, working together, collaborating over the years. And, you know, one of the things that you've always talked about to me is the problem with go-to-market strategy uh, and how it's just been around for a really long time and continues to be out there. And the one piece that, you know, I alluded to earlier that we want to spend time on today is unpacking this idea that you have been an advocate for of how do you shift to the mindset to be about thinking from the outside in versus inside out? Yeah. Let's start there. Can you elaborate on what does this mean to you and what is the problem that you're seeing right now? Yeah. Uh, so many technology companies, other companies as well, get really uh, focused on selling, right? Uh, uh, from a sales perspective or promoting from a marketing perspective and oftentimes lose sight of empathy for the customer. And, and I think great go-to-market programs start with that uh, customer empathy, uh, thinking about uh, not how do we sell, but how do we help customers mm -hmm. buy? And if you change that lens and change that mindset, all kinds of things uh, begin to look differently. Uh, and through that new lens, uh, more effective sales and marketing programs can get developed to 
bring that that customer perspective uh, to the table. Uh, and it's it's a transformative way of thinking that I don't see enough companies embracing, uh, but the ones that do are um, really a, a leg up on their competition because they're connecting with the people that matter most, potential and, uh, and current customers. Yeah, and to that point, I think part of the rub of this is that many companies probably think that they are looking at it outside in. But what you've observed through a lot of hands-on experience is there's a disconnect, right? They think they're doing this, but they're not actually doing it. Maybe we should start with like any examples you would share of companies that are just absolutely getting it right. And what are you seeing that's different from one or two of those companies? Yeah, I think the, the one of the symptoms that you can see is feature first promotional communications. Um, mm. And that uh, really doesn't necessarily start the connecting process with customers uh, where they're at uh, in their buying journey. Uh, one of the companies I've had the good fortune of working with the leadership team over uh, you know, probably the last half a dozen years is Planful. Um, and they're a financial management uh, software uh, product that helps put together financial plans. But uh, if, if you look at their website, they, they've started with actually na naming their products Planful for Marketers, Planful for Financial mm -hmm. Planners, Planful for IT. Right? So they, from the very beginning, they're connecting with the audience based on who the audience is and where they sit. And I think that's a it's very much a um, uh, an orientation to putting the customer at the center of the planning process uh, and the communication process and the selling process, uh, and it uh, it changes a lot of the orientation and uh, that that empathetic approach to customers. Then I think ends up making your sales and marketing programs a lot more efficient and more effective. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with you on that. And so want to go farther with this and understanding how do you truly like embrace this and how do you operationalize it? Because I think that's uh, from my vantage point, as we've talked about this over the years, that's where it kind of falls down of like one or two people think this way, act this way, but like getting a whole marketing organization, getting a whole go to market team to really think this way can be challenging. So when you think about it, like what are the steps that should be taken to, to kind of live this as your, your way of going to market? Yeah. So I think the first three steps are, one, starting with who is the ideal customer profile that you're trying to connect to? You know, what kind of customers do you have uh, a strategic advantage to be able to connect with? Whose problems are you solving best uh, and better than your competitors? And, and what does that, that organization look like? Uh, what are the characteristics of, of the company that you're trying to attract? And then getting the sales and marketing teams aligned on that profile. Um, and that sounds so simple, but it is so powerful to be able to actually have sales and marketing on the same page about who you're going after. Um, it's uh, it, it's really uh, quite effective, right? So once you know step one, who's the ideal customer profile? Step two is understanding what the decision committee, the buying committee, looks like. Who's on it? What are the roles that they play? Um, if it's uh, there's usually some kind of a functional business 
leader that's uh, responsible. If it's Martech, someone in the, the CMO's team, uh, maybe the head of the digital marketing programs is evaluating the Martech. Uh, IT is coming in because the systems have to be connected and integrated. Uh, someone from security wants to make sure that uh, the platform is going to uh, uh, be uh, a stable and secure platform. Finance is going to get involved because somehow it has to get paid for. And what's the uh, the way? Uh, what's the ROI of investing in this particular kind of a, a technology? Um, procurement is going to get involved in making sure that the logistics of the buying process are, are followed uh, in a way that leads to a good conclusion. There may be representatives of the users, uh, not necessarily the, the senior leaders, but the people who are going to be hands on keyboard with the, the product so that it actually does uh, what it's supposed to do. So those we just named half a dozen different members of a decision committee for something like a simple MarTech product. Um, and so understanding who they are, what are their motivations uh, uh, so that as you get ready to communicate um, at different stages of the buying process, um, then uh, you can connect the, the right kind of uh, conversation at the right point, which leads to step number three, which is now put together a, a relatively simple understanding of what the buying process looks like. What are the mm -hmm. stages of the decision, customer decision journey? Um, from, hey, I don't know who you guys are. I didn't know I had a problem or I have a problem and I now need to begin to look for solutions. I'm you know, identifying a short list. I'm getting you know, some basic information. I'm eventually going to put together some comparisons of features. Then I may want to demo and then I'm going to get down to uh, negotiating price and, you know, a variety of different steps. Well, whatever, what are those steps? And coming out of that, you can develop a really nice uh, matrix. Hmm. of the stages of the buying process and the members of the decision team and say there's simplistically five stages and five buying processes. You've got 25 cells now that you can use as a planning tool for how who's responsible for the interaction point. Um, yeah. Is that marketing or sales or a joint effort? What's the, the message that the customer needs to hear at that point in time? Uh, what's the... Uh, content that you're going to use to communicate um, at that stage to that right person. Um, and now you've got a really well-formed planning tool that allows you to create the, the right kind of content, the right kind of messaging, and the right kind of go-to-market motion with sales marketing in lockstep about how to go about it. Yeah. I, one of the things that strikes me when I think, like, one, the matrix makes sense. It's also a little daunting. So we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but the, I think the interesting part about, you know, getting that specific and we did, we talked about this on one of the prior episodes of, you know, ICPs are only good if you get really specific. It's not like, Hey, we're going to go build a relationship with marketing. It's very specific personas within marketing. And you're pushing that even farther to understand very specific personas who's around them in the buying committee, who's influencing in the buying committee, and then what are the individual motivations of each mm -hmm. person, each role type in this, uh, what is increasingly complex matrix, especially for an enterprise specific sales. The one thing I that jumped out at me as you were talking through this is like, how frequently do you look 
to companies or uh, even for your own prior companies, how how much do you change this? Is this a annual update that you do? Is it more of a ad hoc dynamic thing? And, and why this jumps to mind is like, obviously we're in super challenging, interesting times with recessionary type effects impacting so many businesses around the world right now. So the motivations and the involvement mm -hmm. and frankly, the influence of say that finance and procurement persona has changed drastically in the last six to nine months. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of curious of like, how, how do you coach us to think about dynamically managing this, this matrix and updating it? Yeah, I think the, the matrix can be put together at the beginning of a planning process. You know, if you don't have one, get one in place. And then, you know, every six months to year, depending on what the, the planning cycle for companies are, um, look to refresh, you know, hmm. have the motivations of the uh, the different constituents changed, right? Has the importance of a particular member of the buying committee changed, right? Are they looking for something different than before? Has Have there been changes in the competitive marketplace that uh, you need to address uh, so that you're connecting with maybe a little different content uh, at a particular point in the buying process that uh, you weren't able to address before? Um, so it does need to be refreshed periodically to make sure that you're staying uh, current with uh, what's on the minds of the, the individuals that you're trying to impact. Um, but it doesn't it's not a weekly thing. It's you know, maybe, yeah. you know, every three to six months, take a look, refresh. Hey, are we still good? Um, it's a good place to audit content. Uh, very few companies start by having content optimized for all 25 cells you know, in the example that we just gave. Yeah, more common that I see is um, what I call random acts of content um, where, hey, we got a really good piece of content. Let's go promote it. Um, and then as you look at that, it's like, OK, which audience are we trying to connect with? What stage of the buying process is this content really geared for? Is that the part of the kind of the funnel that we need to address most? You know, is it getting new people into it? Is it converting people, you know, once they're, you know, raising their hand and saying, I'm interested. And so you can overlay the selling process with the buying mm -hmm. process and, and diagnose how well you're doing at helping get people get through their buying decisions. Um, is it getting them to raise their hand or is the problem I can't get them to convert? Um, and again, having this kind of a, a disciplined matrix allows you to, uh, assess where the uh, improvements can be made to uh, get to the, the revenue that ultimately you're trying to get to. Yeah, it's what you've been touching on a lot is the, the some of that process needed to operationalize this concept, right? It's understand who you're trying to influence at a, a great level of detail and specificity. What I also heard you say is then now have an open conversation between the sales organization, the marketing organization, who both can have a role, uh, direct customer influence, direct customer conversation and or digital dialogue via you know, content consumption and so forth. It, it, let's talk a little bit more about that operationalizing because I think you've, you've alluded to different uh, technology and tools that you and, and your clients have used in the past. Um, but I think the, that idea of like, how do you, 
go away from the self-guided journey, which is like kind of the, the historic way of like you set and forget campaigns and you're not factoring in these dynamics you're mentioning, which is where is somebody in their buying journey? If you're going to be more of the outside in, the customer first approach, you have to be able to diagnose where they are to then provide mm -hmm. value to them. So can you talk a little bit more about how, you know, how you've thought about how you've pushed clients to, to move away from that self-guided journey and into more dynamic engagement with the customers once they've got all the stuff mapped out. Yeah, from a, from a technology infrastructure perspective, I think the two major tools that uh, are most effective and I've seen work really well are ABM platforms like Sixth Sense or Demand Base, then married with the, whatever the CRM platform uh, that typically sales is using, you know, whether that's uh, Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever that platform is. And by being able to connect those dots, um, and having this kind of a framework in place so that you can understand what are the indicators of customer behavior that would say mm -hmm. they're at this point in the process. Um, you can connect the dots between sales and marketing on by customer uh, of where they're at and by person in the decision journey of how engaged they are, are on the buying committee. Um, and it, it allows you to set up some automated uh, response programs, uh, alerts to sales. Hey, we just sent this from marketing because they just came to the website to mm -hmm. uh, download the, the demo. Um, you may want to follow up from a sales perspective in uh, a week to see how the demo went, is there any problems that you need uh, solved or, you know, so that intelligence is is really uh, interconnected you know, when you, you put those two platforms together and, and do it uh, with this kind of a decision journey mindset embedded in the, uh, in the process. Yeah. One of the things you just said really, really stuck with me. The idea of marketing dynamically also communicating with sales of, hey, we just saw this signal and took this action and we want you to be aware of it, uh, either informational, right? So like they may reach out to you. So be informed, be ready to talk to them about X topic because they're mm -hmm. engaging and learning about it. Or um, maybe it is because there's an offer or an ask that's tied to it that you wanna make sure that they can communicate again if the customer reaches out or if they need to proactively reach mm -hmm. out. The, that idea of alerting the sales team, like that screams at one of the themes of what we talk about here, marketing and sales alignment. Yes. And I, I love that you're connecting the dots on if this is a dynamic customer experience, we should probably think about that internal communication to keep us all aligned yeah. as well as this is happening. Uh, any other like tips or tricks that you've seen over the years, uh, any examples of ways that clients have facilitated and helped, whether it's technology-based, you know, planning processes, meetings, like anything else you would recommend for the group to think about, to stay informed as these customers and prospects are dynamically engaging with your, your campaigns? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that uh, is making it harder and harder, uh, especially for the sales organization is more and more customers are on a self-guided buying journey, right? Um, 
it used to be if I needed some information, I would call a salesperson and then they'd send me a brochure. And then if I needed a demo, I'd call a salesperson and they'd set it up. And if I needed some pricing, I'd call a salesperson and they'd tell me you know, what to do. If I needed some customer references, they I'd call a salesperson and they, they would send me some references, right? All of that can be done online. You know, I, I can go to a website and find out more information. If I want to know what other customers are thinking, I can go to G2 uh, and get um, what other customers' experiences have been and see those reviews and what's good, what's bad. So I don't have to be dependent on a salesperson. So I can get way, 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 way down the decision process without ever talking to a salesperson. And I'm going through that right now, you know, looking at insurance. It's like, you know, I've been online shopping. I filled out some forms like, and they keep calling. It's like, I don't want to talk to you yet. Um, And so I think that's happening more and more. And so being able to use um, the uh, predictive intelligence uh, that uh, is embedded in some ABM platforms in particular that help prioritize when is the right time to connect with a person? You know, mm-hmm. Not too early, not too late, uh, but you know, being able to, you know, marketing can help sales say, hey, this person's done these three different things. That's a good indicator that they're probably ready uh, for a conversation. Uh, why don't you give them a call now? And so I think that kind of a, um, using predictive intelligence and insights to help prioritize who sales uh, follows up with uh, is a much more productive use of uh, the highly paid sales organization's time uh, than going out and just yeah, dialing for dollars. Right? It's, um, yeah. you know, there's just a lot smarter ways of going about it today. Yeah, it's also, you've got this matrix, you know who the decision makers are, you're mapping out what they care about as they're going through their journey. If you're then being given these signals that helps you diagnose where they're at as a a sales professional, as a CSM or AE, RM, whatever it is, you can give them more meaningful information because you better understand like, oh, they're here in the process. So they're probably now starting to think about what is, you know, what is a comparison of our solution versus other competitors look like? Or what does pricing look like? So I love that how this, you know, this matrix up front helps you be very customer focused, but then it lives with you. It, mm-hmm. it can even fit into sales methodology and how do you progress deals? Absolutely. Um, I do want to cover one more thing before, you know, we run out of time in today's, uh, today's episode. I think underlying this is content is the the conversation that you have to have with the customer. Um, Just mentioning that grid earlier on, like 25 different variables within here. That's a lot. I don't think any Mm -hmm. marketing team can maybe cover all the ground of all the variations of content across the buying committee and each stage within there. But it also strikes me that you can't abdicate that as a marketer. So how, how do you advise the, the CMOs and stuff that are listening in right now? How do you advise them to think about not just seeding this to sales, like ah, figure it out and having dozens, if not hundreds, or maybe even thousands in a large enterprise of sellers, like making up their own stories? Like, how do you what would you advise to us? Yeah, I think uh, one, if you have the matrix, you can audit the content that you have. And in some cases, you may have fairly good content that's close. And it's just now a matter of 
refining uh, certain pieces in a way that's a little bit more direct to the, uh, the customer situation at that stage of the buying process. Uh, but then you also have some gaps that uh, you pr just prioritize which ones do you need to fill in first, right? Mm -hmm. um, the um, you know procurement may not be that important until late stage in the in the process, uh, as an example. The uh, IT uh, influencer may be really important in the middle, uh, where mm -hmm. they just need to know that it it connects well and what the integration issues are. And so I got to have content for that. And you know if marketing isn't producing it uh, through product marketing or content marketing or whoever's you know, creating it um, as sales enablement tools, sales is going to come up with something because the customer is going to have the questions, right? And if you look at the lost productivity, you can probably afford to spend a little bit more in getting the right content built because it's it's getting built out there, whether you know it or not. In many cases, sales is having to come up with these custom emails or custom presentations or uh, proposal uh, document um, content uh, that's customized to a particular RFP. Uh, and so there's a lot of time and energy spent throughout the organization, in effect, getting this matrix filled out. You just may not know that it's actually going on. Uh, so if you can get your arms around that and centralize it in a way that uh, prioritizes what's most important you know, at each one of these uh, cells, uh, you're going to uh, end up not wasting a lot of this other energy that's probably going on in the company anyways. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you do a time spent survey with your sales organization, CSM organization, and you're going to find out that the thousands of hours they're spending coming up with this themselves can can be solved if you make sure to prioritize it in a product marketing or a content marketing organization. Uh, John, this has been phenomenal to really dig into the the idea and the process with which folks can use um, you know, decision-making journeys and matrix to help shift to really living outside in and being focused on their customers first and foremost. As we wrap for today, you know, I want to give you an opportunity. Any final parting words of wisdom for us? Um, I'd just say in a nutshell, you know, if you can... Uh, rethink uh, the mission that you're on to helping customers buy versus, you know, constantly be selling, <laughs> constantly be closing. Um, you'll be in a much more effective place to to meet the ultimate goals that, that you're trying to meet. Awesome. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure as always. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Look forward to the next episode and have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you, Mike. <laughs>